0: Good afternoon and welcome. It's midday and happy leap day. I'm Tom Hall. Glad you're with us on this extra day of February. Today, it's midday on development. From time to time, we check in with the people who are spearheading development projects in and around Baltimore and the journalists who cover those projects. Today, my guest is Melody Simmons a senior reporter for the Baltimore Business Journal for years. She has been covering the planned transformation of an 88-acre parcel of land near Hopkins Hospital by an entity known as EBDI, or East Baltimore Development, Inc. And Melody Simmons joins me in studio. It's good to see you, Mel.
1: Great to be here, Tom.
0: So you have been covering development all over the city for a long, long time, and this EBDI thing goes way, way back. Tell us what the original plan was for EBDI, uh, which is just north of Hopkins Hospital on the east side. Tell tell us what they originally conceived this thing to be.
1: This goes back to the O'Malley administration, really 2001, and um, the vision was to take the 88 acres that they had designated as a footprint and turn it into a biopark, a lot like what we see on the west side with the University of Maryland Biopark. At the time, there was a vision to um, incorporate research, um, biotech research and life sciences research with Hopkins researchers and that property, which was basically, you know, like you said, just north of the hospital. So very convenient, great location
0: and And we're talking twenty something years ago, yeah, and this was a long time ago,
1: yes, a long time ago, and that area itself had a lot of families living in it, so what um what had to be done was relocate. Um, the families or move them out of their houses. Not They went door knocking. They um, talked to people at the time. I started reporting that, just old-fashioned reporting, going door to door. And some of those residents would say, yes, they've come to me and they've said, we want to build a research center here. We're going to cure cancer on the place where your house is now. Um, the people you know, they were reluctant. They're, these homes were um, their main family source. That's where they lived for generations. A lot of working class families in Baltimore that worked at Beth Steele lived in this area. So to make a long story short, They cleared out. They were successful in moving over 700 families out of that space. And
0: they they gave the money for their homes so they could buy another home someplace else. But they did dislocate them from, you know, neighborhoods that, as you said, had been, you know, generational uh, to to many of those families. Right.
1: And then those houses were torn down. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the – they started to build – the um, biopark of the buildings, the research buildings, and then the economy collapsed. So we had economic weirdness and that delayed the, uh, the project itself. So this project has had many fits and starts over the years.
0: And the City Council got involved and the, the EBDI, this, this entity, was actually a creation of the Baltimore City Council. What did they have to do with it?
1: They're actually a nonprofit, a 501c3, and they are registered with the state as such. And they are something like what we see today, the community development groups. Um, Park Heights has one. Um, There's one in Bel Air Edison. These groups um, have um, sprung up since then to redevelop the areas. And EBDI was one as well. It also had partners. It had partners of Hopkins, you know, Hopkins University, Annie E. Casey Foundation and some other partners had signed on to be part of that big development,
0: and they have built some stuff. There's a beautiful park down there. Uh, there's a school. There is some housing, some new housing, um, but it's not like affordable housing or, or something. I mean, it's it's what they call market rate housing. So it's uh, and some of it's pretty pretty pricey.
1: It's mi yes, it is mixed income and, and the newer houses, these townhomes, were for sale and they're, you know, three hundred, three fifty thousand. So market rate townhomes there. There's also workforce housing and some affordable housing in the very first wave of apartments that they built. Um The whole vision of EBDI has changed about four times over the years, and uh, the reason it did that was because they never could get a lot of traction building some of those buildings for the life sciences, so they had to go back in. And redo the master plan and redo the vision for the site. That included ultimately the addition of Eager Park right down the middle on Wool Street. It also included the addition of a new school there, the Charter School. So all these things came on a line in um in that area that were not in the original plan. Yeah.
0: So the the Bio uh, Tech Center was going to be uh, the thing that that. Animated the number of people who were going to want to live there. So they were the the folks who worked uh, in that area. They would be close to their home. They would have a school to send their children to. It's called Henderson uh, Hopkins. Henderson
1: Hopkins uh, mm-hmm.
0: Charter School. Uh, they'd have a beautiful park. They'd have other amenities. You know, in that area, it's live, work, play, as they say over in Camden, you Right, right. Um, so uh, the 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 TIF, the tax increment financing. There's two devices that the city uses and other cities use. This TIF thing is one of them. Another is called a pilot, which is payment in lieu of taxes, P-I-L-O-T. Let's, we, we've done this a few times on Midday, right. and I want to do it again because right. this is uh, no one can understand. It's, important. It's, it's very difficult to understand. So what is a TIF, and what's the relationship of the TIF to the feasibility of this
1: project? Well, a TIF, of course, Tax Increment Financing, it is um, some kind of a program that has been used in certain cities across the US for the past, say, 20 to 25 years. It will sell bonds. It allows the sale of bonds to be bought by private investors and that those proceeds, the bond proceeds that are guaranteed, um, basically go to fund infrastructure. And they go to fund uh, certain programs and developments in an area that public financing cannot afford. So in other words, this um, EBDI got a $78 million TIF awarded by the city. And they needed it to put infrastructure in because that area had been bereft of any modern upgrades for, you know, decades.
0: Yeah, so we're talking East Baltimore. Uh, and the the infrastructure is streets and street lights and, and sidewalks. Uh, sidewalks and all that fire hydrants all that right. kind of
1: stuff yeah electrical um, now Wi-fi you know fiber optics cables uh, everything that goes into what we're seeing um, in fact they're doing it right now in park Heights there's a lot of uh, development going on in park Heights now and that kind of infrastructure building is happening right now in that long-starved community mm-hmm. as well
0: so EBDI is one one of 10 TIFs you report uh, in some recent uh, work you've done for the BBJ. Uh, so they're, they're all over the city. Uh, Port Covington, which is now called the Baltimore Peninsula, right. that's another famous TIF down there. Giant so, TIF. So $78 million is, uh, is money that the, the city doesn't have to just dole out itself. But they sell bonds, so a bunch of investors buy seventy-eight million dollars worth of bonds, uh, and of course they get they do that as an investment, right? So they, the bond holders, the people who've bought these bonds to build the infrastructure, have to get paid uh, profit on that investment. Right. How's that
1: going? Well, they the profit itself um, it diverts. This is where the tax increment diverts, and normally property taxes. That um, you know go to the city are diverted for about 20 to 30 years to repay the bondholders. So the city doesn't have the actual money coming in for the improvements that are put in at EBDI in Baltimore Peninsula. Um, At um, Harbor Point, for example, they have a at Clipper Mill. So all these places have the TIF. The EBDI TIF, we learned in a hearing at City Hall in January, has been a little shaky over the years. City finance officials came and they gave a report on all TIFs, but they keyed on the EBDI TIF. And they talked a lot about the details and, you know, how it's played out over the past many years.
0: So the city basically says, okay, if you, if you, if you build a house then that uh, and someone buys the house, uh, then that person pays property taxes on that house, That's like many right. of us who own a house in Baltimore do. So that those property taxes, though, don't go to the city That's for right. quite a period of time, 20, 30 years, a long time. It goes instead to the people who hold the bonds that supplied the money for the infrastructure improvements, which are essential, I guess, in terms of, uh, as far as the developers is concerned, Yes, it's essential to build a thing. In other words, and the argument about the TIFFs is that the developer wouldn't build that apartment complex or those townhomes unless the infrastructure were in place. So it's a chicken and an egg thing. They call
1: it the but-for. And the but for argument, but for the sale of the of the bonds, we wouldn't have that development there. And that's how it's argued and presented. Um, And the city, I've heard this over and over again. um, The city uh, council has hearings on the TIFs and these projects, and they designate an area in the city called a TIF district. And that's how it all starts. And uh, so you get into the weeds. You know, it's very complex, but the base theory is it's an advance. You know, it's almost like it's an advance on helping the developer or the development theory and the vision to get that project moving.
0: And our friend Jane Miller was involved with a couple other folks, uh, Stephen Janis and Tanya Graham. They did a movie called Tax Broke, yes. uh, which is about it. It explores this notion of TIFFs, and it explores whether or not they they actually do what they're, they say they're going to do. I mean, so if the development of EBDI is somewhat stalled, and it sounds like it is, you, t- you mentioned that it's gone through four iterations in terms of its original plan to where it is now. Um, can you make the argument that this TIF uh, is in fact not uh, the 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 motivating animating force that it that it should be?
1: Well, it you know, it, it the picture that's painted um, is very interesting. I. They've sold $78 million in bonds, and they did it in certain tranches. They didn't do it all at once. But I did get the city finance people on the phone, and they told me that um, as of, I don't know, as of June, there's still $75.6 million in outstanding debt. On the bonds so there's not a lot of revenue coming in from ebdi to repay those bonds so that's the track record you're seeing it's still a very high level for of um of debt that and this carrying. is
0: because the building is really proceeding very slowly very I mean, slowly there's just and unless they get those buildings up there, those, there's nothing producing enough revenue to pay back the bonds.
1: That's right. And um, so in the meantime, some of those buildings have sold to other investors and sold to other groups, and they've sold at a high profit. So if you talk to EBDI, which I check in with them every once in a while, they say that they're having a very successful run, that the value of the land has gone up, um, and they feel um, very excited and optimistic about about that. If you drive that, if you drive that route north of Hopkins Hospital, you're going to see wide open fields still. Um, And I do know there are plans, and we've seen some designs come before city panels that talk about what they want to build on those wide open fields. Nothing's broken ground yet.
0: And the city council uh, declared this uh, or designated this a TIF district back in 2008. Yes. Long time ago. Yes. Right. And uh, explain the role of this big nonprofit, Annie E. Casey. It's a big foundation, national foundation, based here in Baltimore. They do lots of work with uh, kids in particular. Um, they were involved in this. They, they were guarantors of the loan and somehow?
1: That's right. They Annie Casey Foundation is based in Baltimore. It's a national group. Uh, they do some really good work. They're boots on the ground for Families. Um, they do a lot of poverty. They focus on education. They put out some really good research reports that show exactly what's happening in our community and other communities across the country. Um, they got involved with the EBDI project years ago because they were brought on. They were brought on with a board position on the EBDI board, and also they they invested in one of the tranches of the TIF. They invested. Um, they basically guaranteed one of the TIF sales.
0: So they guaranteed the sale. Meaning that what what's that mean exactly? Who who are they guaranteeing? Who are they protecting?
1: They're protecting. I think their um, their participation in this showed that they were very. They bought the bonds. I mean, and they uh, their board guaranteed. You know the the payback. Um, and so this went on for many years. So in other words,
0: they guaranteed that the the bondholders would get their money, even if EBDI wasn't able to build enough buildings and produce enough tax revenue, revenue. To, to pay them back.
1: Right. They, at the time, said, we're going to be very patient. Um, the so they hack- were
0: very bullish on this. They were very, very optimistic. Ill-ish.
1: Well, they um, they actually, I think, signed on and were very helpful because of the family situation, because of what we had with a lot of these families being relocated. And I think that that was a big attraction for Casey to come in and help with that. And then they also really helped with the formation of the school when that charter school was formed.
0: Melody Simmons is my guest. She's a senior reporter for the Baltimore Business Journal. We're talking about TIFF's tax increment financing in particular as it relates to the project over by Hopkins Hospital on the east side called EBDI. If you have a uh, an opinion, uh, a question, uh, a thought about these tiffs and about whether developers should be offered them, uh, in other words, allowing infrastructure to be built with private bonds uh, rather than city funds before they uh, go ahead and build you know, buildings for uh, either commercial use or residential use, uh, give us a call and let us know, 410-662-8780, or drop us an email midday at wipr. Dot org so the 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 fact that there aren't enough buildings producing taxes has meant that uh, you reported this you know about a month ago um, some sixteen point eight million dollars uh, is what they needed to repay the investors on these bonds but they haven't the the taxes in the area have not produced that much money so does Annie E Casey get left uh, holding the bag on this, or what happens?
1: Well, they had they had been holding the bag actually, and um, you know they have deep pockets. They claim they have patience toward the uh, the whole project. The city um, during the hearing, the legislative hearing at City Hall, basically laid out the um, the whole structure of that tranche, and what they were saying was that um, you know. The special bond series that Casey had guaranteed showed interest payments had been both forgiven and deferred by the foundation over the years. And that that was just the first time that we had ever really seen any kind of figures or um, an acknowledgment about the, the depth of their of their deferment and their forgiveness of the of the interest.
0: So let's talk about what forgiveness means in this context. So EBDI is the one that uh, you know benefits from these bonds because EBDI is overseeing the, nonprofit, the development. The right, developer. Right. Master
1: developer. The basically. master
0: developer. So mm-hmm. they're developing all this stuff, you know, the research centers or whatever, the the school, the park, the apartment buildings, the townhomes. When you say forgiven, so EBDI is ultimately the one responsible for paying the bondholders. And and Annie E. Casey said, okay, don't worry about that. You're no longer responsible. What what does forgiven mean in this context?
1: Well, they underwrote the bonds, Casey. And so the interest itself... You know what they forgave was the interest. According to the city finance departments. they they forgave the interest payments for half of the twenty-five million. I believe it was, um, you know, or about twenty-five point and change million. So it's around twelve million in forgiven interest payments that Casey was able to do over the years. So
0: Casey paid it instead of EBDI. Is that what forgiveness means? This
1: we don't know. As far as the details, we just don't know because um, all this was put up on some slides during the hearing at City Hall. And um, any kind of... um, you know, explanation of in the weeds. We don't know.
0: Interesting. Now, thinking. Of, speaking of that, uh, there is some legislation uh, in this year's general assembly. Uh, Senator Jill Carter from Baltimore is sponsoring uh, a, a, a law that says we have to establish a task force to talk about transparency in these EBDI or in, in these TIF deals. TIF TIFs deals. and pilots. So she's concerned about. Tiffs. She's concerned about the pilots, again, the payments in lieu of taxes. She's in, in uh, concerned about enterprise zones and property tax credits that are given for that. And then there's something called the Brownfield Revitalization Incentive Program. I have no earthly idea what that is. We'll talk about that later. Um, because the transparency, and this is the thing that, that Jane and Steve and, and uh, Tanya Taya. Uh, mm-hmm. Taya make uh, mm-hmm. clear in their uh, movie, The Tax Bro nobody knows what's going on this is very secretive very rarefied air that people breathe when they talk about these tips and stuff that's
1: right yeah it's it's mushy and it's always been mushy and despite how many questions you ask you really never get the full answer. And so for years in reporting on this, it's just been really gray. And you have to seize the ring whenever you can as a reporter to get the financials. Um, I can tell you this movie, Tax Broke, that the Real News Network put together with Steve and Taya and Jane um, is really, a you know, a landmark um, in our city that shows how these tax breaks have been able to enable certain development in the real rich, wealthy waterfront and other areas while ev- other parts of Baltimore have been starved. So that... and,
0: but EBDI, that area is not considered a wealthy area. It wasn't when this all started.
1: It wasn't at the time, but their hopes were that with the life sciences, it would lift the whole area. And I know that there's still a big push to get that area developed. Bill Strever has put together a lot of redevelopments of some old industrial sites there. There's been a big effort to get the new food hub right off of the Amtrak station and also to get some kind of beautification of that part of the city From the train. So when you ride into Baltimore and you see that part of the city, it looks better. These have been concerted efforts that they were initially tied to EBDI and still haven't materialized.
0: Yeah, uh, I uh, was one of the moderators, along with Lisa Snowden, uh, last night of a mayoral debate. Uh, Former Mayor Sheila Dixon was there and talked about the tiffs that were used on the west side uh, over near Poppleton and uh, the the biotech uh, area that the right. University of Maryland is doing. Uh, and there are a lot of people uh, at that event last night who uh, were, were booing pretty loudly at the mention of that. They thought that that had been a disaster on that side. I mean, uh, we mentioned there are 10 of these uh, TIF areas now uh, in play around the city of Baltimore. Um, what's your take? I mean, do they do they work or, or
1: not? Well... We really don't know. I can tell you that they work as far as they support a developer. And these developers have funds. I speak with developers who develop in Baltimore County, for example. There's only one tip that I know of in Baltimore County, and that's at Towson Row. And uh, there's other developers, as you know, do bigger projects. And they say, I don't want a TIF. I want to pay for it. And that way, you know, it's all contained. Their profit margins are different. Um, For some reason in this city. So they pay for their own infrastructure. They do.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. And they're proudly, they proudly say it. Um, So they don't really come asking for the money, for the takeout. Um, And so it's caused a real rift in philosophy. Um, So far. They, they help to lift communities in some ways, but they never come back to the original vision. And I think that's what we see when we see now legislation in Annapolis to get more transparency. People want to know and follow up. Can we get profit sharing? Can we get, did it work? Was it worth diverting for 30 years, a tax break, you know, from the city coffers? The city is starved for money. And the red ink coming out of City Hall, and especially we'll see this with the budget, is really going to be—it's going to be a whopper this year. Yeah,
0: estimates of you know more than a hundred million dollars of, of deficits. Now, just we got we are out of time, so got to finish. But the the argument is often made that TIFs cost the taxpayer money. That's not actually true, right?
1: That's right. It's not true. Um, They ultimately, if they fail, and there have been some TIFs that have failed around the country, and um, the, um, you know, the biggie failure is that the property reverts back to the city or the jurisdiction, and that's where the taxpayers get hit. It's not happened here. There have been some special taxes, which is what we're seeing in Port Covington right now, where the developer themselves, Kevin Plank and his partners, are... Having to pay their TIF revenue. They're having to pay their bondholders back now because they don't have the revenue.
0: All right. I think I may be a little smarter about this than we were where we started. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it is complex, and I appreciate your coming and uh, doing a great job explaining it. And we will stay on top of it, of course. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Melody Simmons, she's a senior reporter for the Baltimore Business Journal. And up next, the environmental agenda in this year's General Assembly in Annapolis. Allison Colton is the Maryland Executive Director at the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. She'll join me on the other side of a quick break to talk about what's top of mind for the Chesapeake Bay Foundation when it comes to legislation in Annapolis. I'm Tom Hall. You're listening to Midday. Stick around. This is Baltimore's NPR news station, 88.1 WYPR.